No one noticed him as he shuffled towards the corner of the concourse, bent down and placed his violin case lovingly on the cold tiles. He opened it and gently removed the treasure stored within. He stood up straight, tuned the instrument and lifted it to his 39-year-old neck. In his long-sleeved T-shirt, jeans and a Washington Nationals baseball cap, he looked every inch a humble street performer blending in with the commuters on this Friday morning at the L'Enfant Plaza station on the DC metro. He began by dropping a few dollar bills into the violin case as an invitation to passers-by to do the same. And then he began to play. Three minutes into the the performance, a middle-aged man slowed his pace and listened for a few seconds before hurrying to catch his train. About a minute later, he received his first donation from a preoccupied commuter who never broke stride as she passed the violin case and released her dollar bill. After six minutes, a young man leaned against the wall of the concourse to listen, then looked at his watch and left the station. At ten minutes, a three-year-old child was captured by the wonder of it all, but his mother tugged at him to keep moving. The lad kept looking back, ensnared by the beauty, but maternal persuasion dragged him reluctantly away. This interaction was repeated by other children whose parents, without exception, cajoled and nagged and threatened and almost dislocated shoulders in order to move their curious young away from the marvel they had discovered. Finally, after 45 minutes of continuous playing, the maker of music rested and counted his money. $32.00 donated by 20 commuters. Only six people out of an estimated 1,097 had escaped the tyranny of the clock and paused to listen. It's likely that none of those blessed thousand at L'Enfant Plaza on January the 12th, 2007, knew what they had sped past. For three quarters of an hour, Joshua Bell had performed six pieces of Bach, some of the most technically challenging music ever written, on a violin worth $3.5 million. Two nights earlier, Bell had sold out an auditorium in Boston where the audience paid on average $100 each to listen to exactly the same music. This shocking concert was organised by the Washington Post as part of an experiment into people's perceptions and priorities. It poses the question, in a humdrum place, at a ho-hum time, do we recognise beauty? On another fine day, around the year 30 AD, on a hillside overlooking the Sea of Galilee, near the modern town of Tabga, another young man, also undercover, opened his mouth and uttered eight phrases that sounded to those listening so out of place, so counterintuitive, so upside down, that many must have concluded that they were nonsense. In a humdrum place, at a ho-hum time, do we recognise beauty? 
We call those eight phrases the Beatitudes. And to us and countless Christians, they have been a source of immeasurable comfort and uncountable blessings. These eight gems from God's own treasure chest calm our minds and soothe our souls. They strengthen weak knees, empower frail hands and straighten bent backs. They give you that warm glow in your insides where doctors can't see and therapists can't probe. But before we get too misty-eyed about the Beatitudes, romanticise their beauty and sentimentalise their wonder, let's just make sure we have understood them correctly. Because if we have grasped the true meaning of these eight little bombshells, then I suspect that we will be as puzzled as those first hearers of Jesus must have been. Jesus says, "'Blessed are the poor in spirit.'" Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who meek. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. The merciful, the pure in heart, the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness sake. Blessed are the unfortunate, the disadvantaged, the despised the ridiculed, the victims, the people we don't want to be like. Blessed are the people who are anything but blessed. Because poverty is not a blessing, is it? Being blessed is having all your needs met. Mourning is not a blessing. Being happy is a blessing. When someone sneezes, you say, God bless you, and you're not wishing grief on them, are you? Hunger and thirst are not pleasant experiences. They are not a source of blessing. And neither, surely, is persecution. Even the merciful, the peacemaker, and the pure in heart can, to our ears, have a ring of the moralistic, bleeding heart do-gooder about them, and not really what we associate with people who are blessed. More people who are weak, or insipid, or lacking in worldly wisdom. In a humdrum place, at a ho-hum time, do we recognise beauty? The beauty of the broken, the pathetic, the needy. Beauty hides in plain sight, and according to Jesus, it is not in wealth, power, status and accomplishment. It's in grief, poverty, need and humiliation. We're used to Jesus and his upside-down world, aren't we? Where the last shall be first and the first last. Where the mighty will be humbled and the humble exalted. Where the hungry are fed and the rich are sent away empty. And now, where the people I don't want to be like are actually the people I should aspire to be like. When Jesus sat down on that hillside and described the men and women who are blessed by God, he did not include the wealthy and the healthy, the popular, the high achievers, the beautiful, the talented and the powerful. In a humdrum place, at a ho-hum time, do we recognise beauty? In our town, our workplaces, our social circles, our church, do we recognise beauty? 
Now some people reading the Beatitudes might say this is the religion of the slave owner, the oppressor and the tyrant. Accept that you have an appalling inhuman life now with no rights and no prospect of a decent life. But when you get to heaven, God will make sure you have a wonderful existence. Just obey your masters and your governments and a blissful eternity awaits you. Well, no. Jesus is not offering the disadvantaged in this life the promise of luxury when they die. No, the blessedness of the eight types of people is here and now. They are the blessed today, and not despite their misfortune, but because of it. The poor in spirit, the mournful, the hungry and thirsty for righteousness, the peacemaker, the pure in heart, the meek, the merciful and the persecuted are blessed now, not just in heaven. In a world that tells us that happiness comes from having power and popularity, from being in control and in demand, from consuming stuff and consuming experiences, how is it that Jesus says blessedness, which by the way can be translated happiness, true happiness, belongs to those who don't have them? Happiness, blessedness, is a byproduct of pursuing other things. You wouldn't think that to look around us. Everything in our Western culture tells us to pursue happiness. Make it your goal to find it. Hunt it down and chase and capture it. Possess it. Don't let it out of your sight. Take it with you wherever you go and guard yourself against anything that might steal it from you, like sickness or loss or all kinds of misfortune. But as the broadcaster Malcolm Muggeridge said... Happiness is like a young deer, fleet and beautiful. Hunt her and she becomes a poor, frantic quarry after the kill, a piece of stinking flesh. Martin Luther King said, Those who are not looking for happiness are the most likely to find it, because those who are searching forget that the surest way to be happy is to seek happiness for others. Happiness, blessedness, is the byproduct of pursuing deeper things. For many, the pursuit of happiness means the freedom to buy and consume whatever we believe will give meaning to our self-absorbed lives. But it is when we pursue those deeper things that we become accidentally happy. And what are those deeper things? According to Jesus in the Beatitudes, there are three. Friendship with God service of other people, and self-giving relationships. It's when we invest ourselves that we find ourselves, when we give that we receive, when we love that we are loved, when we forgive that we are forgiven. Elsewhere, Jesus expressed it, seek first the kingdom of God and all those other things, contentment, security, true happiness, will be added to you. Happiness is the inevitable outcome when we seek God's kingdom. What a magnificent portrait of the child of God. 
And that is what you are. On this All Saints Sunday, we are God's children. And when we live like it, this is what we look like. The poor in spirit is you. When you have humbly allowed others to take the glory for your hard work and not being bitter. When you have given and received no thanks and not resented it. When you have been looked down on because of your race or sex or zip code or sexual identity or accent or school and found your peace in the God who made you magnificent. The mournful is me when I have sat in the destruction caused by my poor decisions, uncontrolled impulses or hasty reactions and down there in the rubble and the ruin have discovered my need for God. The meek is us just after we have insisted on getting our own way but are also receiving new starts and fresh vision as we offer ourselves to the God of grace who is crazy about us. The hungry and the thirsty for righteousness is you when you look out on our broken, agonised world and are moved with compassion to do something. The merciful is you when you have been wronged and you have every right to get even, but you choose not to call in the debt. You, for whom relationship is more important than being right. The pure in heart is you who have integrity and transparency, who let Christ's light shine through you. The peacemaker is you when you have said enough, you have thrown down your weapons, the guns of malicious words, the bombs of angry looks, the missiles of hateful thoughts, and climbed out of the trenches and embraced your enemy. And the persecuted for righteousness sake is you when you have done all these seven things and have been misunderstood or rejected. You have been called weak or cowardly or unpatriotic or naive or foolish but continue to live by these seven graces because you know that in these radical truths and only in them lies the contented heart, the satisfied soul, the purposeful life. This is the picture of what it means to follow Christ and we dilute it at our peril. In a humdrum place, at a ho-hum time, do we recognise beauty? This week, wherever you go, be the beauty. Be blessed. Amen.